This is Marcos again. This is my second interview at the Xorg Developers Conference in Chicago with Peter Hutterer. He works on the input system of Xorg. Okay, so here is the second interview with an X guy. I'm here with Peter Hutterer, right? Please yes. say your last name? Yeah. Uh, close enough. Close enough. All right, and he does. Well, actually, I'll let you introduce yourself. Yeah, so I'm uh, Peter Hutterer, um, the current input maintainer of the X server and most of the input drivers. And yeah, I work for Red Hat in sunny Brisbane as of uh, three years now, actually. So just a bit over three years now. Right. Yeah. And you got started in X with a PhD? Yeah, project? I did a PhD at the University of South Australia in Adelaide. And um, as part of the project work I was doing there, I had to add multi input device support to essentially an application, but that turned out to be, um, let's just say, hard. Um, given the conditions that we had, and eventually I figured out that the only way to get that to work was to actually hack X. And that's how I got started, and that was uh, back in 2006, I believe. About five years ago, then? Yeah, so right. five years ago. Yeah. So this is all part, was your project successful, your PhD thesis project? Yeah, yeah, so PhD passed in 2008, um, and the all the project work got merged into the X server in 2009, or got released in 2009, and that was all the uh, XI2. So if you heard of X input extension version 2, that was 80% of that was the PhD project okay. that so I was working on. What's the difference between version 2 and is there version 1? There is a version 1, um, which was, I think, first merged or published in 1994. Um, the main reason why there is an X input extension is that the core protocol, the, the very basic X input, uh, sorry, the very basic X events for input, to not confuse the terminology there, um, only allow for X and Y and a set of buttons and a set of keys. So in '94, um, they added the X input extension um, to allow for arbitrary access, essentially. So that's how you get things like pressure, tilt, and so on and so forth, as you have on, on tablets, for example. Mm. Um, unfortunately, the, the way it was designed wasn't overly useful. So it worked for the GIMP, for example, used it for tablets, for pressure and whatnot. But um, one of the basic design decisions was that only one client at a time could actually use the device, which isn't quite how we use it these days. So we got rid of that restriction early on, but um, one of the big things that XR2 does is it just adds a whole bunch more information um, yeah. that you can get from the device, how you can use that from the device. It uh, natively integrates hot plugging, which was only tacked on top of the other one, of the of the first version. Um, so hot plugging didn't work up until about five years ago. Hot plugging time? technically worked in X input 1.4. Um, that was when the uh, the matching events were added, but because the original protocol specification didn't cater for it, um, let's just say there were some bits missing, and clients that didn't know about 1.4 couldn't necessarily deal with hot plugging because the device just disappeared and then they would get errors afterwards and didn't know why. Um, it's not really that any client cared that much about it, but um, it could lead to client crashes in some cases. Okay. All right. Now, X input, that's actually different than like the, or sorry, the multi-touch is, it's different from gestures, right? I know actually a lot so of times I confuse the two. X, X input, it's a bit of an overloaded term. Um, so there is X input, which is usually the, the, the term we use for the X input extension. Um, X input deals with anything input related. Um, right now, 
the target devices are mainly keyboards uh, and any pointer devices, so mice, touchpads, uh, mo um, tablets, and so on and so forth. Tablets as in graphics tablets, um, not as in um, oh, like, like the iPad or something or the Galaxy Tab or something. Traditionally, the term tablet referred to a Wacom tablet, mm. uh, the, what uh, artists use. Um, so XI2, X input extension 2, is essentially designed around keyboards and mice as well. So we've had some ongoing efforts to get uh, multi-touch working native Linux. Um, they've been going on for, must be over a year now, because we've had quite some talks last year in September at the, the last x conference. And I believe, as we speak, Chase is pushing out the first snapshot release for the protocol specification for multi-touch support. Okay. So I think by the time this interview is over, there should be a mail announcing that on the mailing list. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Right. And then how long before we see that actually show up in probably distros where the average person sees it? Um, so this is a protocol specification, which is essentially the publicly visible client API. and the difficult thing about that is the way how protocol specifications go is once they're out, they're essentially set in stone and they're really, really hard to change or virtually impossible to change. You can only amend them and add stuff or change the behavior in later versions, but you need to keep backwards compatibility. So this is why this part took so long. Um, Ubuntu has as of 10.10, I think, version 10.10, um, has a multi-touch implementation. Was that the stuff that Chase kind of demoed last year? At Correct. CC? Okay. Yes. Right. That um, was kind of cool too. Uh, unfortunately, the reason why this isn't upstream yet is um, they did most of the development in secret and agreed internally agreed on a certain approach to that. And when they published it, they were already committed to shipping it in the next Ubuntu version. Um, but upstream, we pretty much looked at that and said, no, this is not the right approach. Um, amongst other things, their implementation was centered around having the uh, gesture recognizer inside the server, um, or at least partially inside the server, and we pretty much said, now we want gesture recognition all done in the client. The X server should only handle touch events as they come in and send them to the right client, but shouldn't have any uh, complex knowledge of that. So does each client then have to do its own interpretation, or is there like a gestures game in that run? I, so ideally, so the current, you want to have since, as we went through the protocol and revised it and revised it, they kept updating their own client stack. So I believe they have a current stack that works with that new protocol, or at least is close to being working. Um, unfortunately, Chase said it's not quite upstreamable because it's layers and layers of hacks based on the previous one, so you can't merge it in directly. And there's a lot of architectural work that we need mm. to get that to integrate properly. So it's probably going to take a while before the XU has the full implementation. Okay. Um, in terms of how this is going to be used, I think the, the implementation they have at the moment that do have a global gesture recognized daemon running in the background. Um, I think one of the, uh, the target implementations will be the GTK, QT, and the other big toolkits will support gesture recognition in the toolkit. Okay. So if you write, say, your GTK or GNOME application, instead of registering for mouse events, you just say, can I register for pinch event? And then GTK will handle the, the events accordingly okay. and just send you, hey, a pinch just occurred instead of sending you the raw touch data. Okay, cool. Which would also mean that um, if the toolkit handles it, the, one of the big advantages is that this is consistent across any application using that toolkit, okay. which the same effect can be achieved with a global daemon. So client-side architectures, it's still, still a bit in flux. Uh, we might 
see some changes to that. Um, I, to be honest, I don't know what the ideal in situation would be. It's so something kind of to figure out this time. Yeah, I think it's there's probably going to be a lot of trial and error. Um, it's quite easy to get something going. Um, whether that's going to survive a couple of years or not, I, I really don't know which okay. one the right one is. Well, that's one of the reasons because I know, and I've said this too, is that why is it taking so long? It's just input. You know, you got a couple of fingers, you draw, but it's a lot harder than that, right? It's not just a couple yes. of like, just throw so together. And touch is very complex when you consider it on a uh, general desktop. Um, so getting touch supported in a new API that you define yourself um, in a windowing system that doesn't have any legacy and that runs every application full screen is very, very easy. Um, I've done that in the past for a couple of other things, just as prototyping. It's quite simple. It's hard enough to define a good API, of course, but just getting it running is quite simple. So if you look at the current multi-touch systems that are out there, you look at the, most prominently the iPhone, iPad, um, even Microsoft Surface as, as one of the standalone ones, but the same with Android and, um, of course, all the tab tablets coming out now on Android. They all run the applications in full screen. So you don't actually have to worry. You see a touch. Dragging things between two windows. like uh, Yeah, exactly. You see a touch, and you don't have to worry about does this touch go there, and the touch that occurs right next to it, is this in the same window still? Is this outside of the window? Um, is it the window behind the other window, or does it still belong to the first one because it's two-finger swipe, but the huh. user just managed to click just outside? And it gets even worse because in the end, picking... So selecting which window to send to is always an XY, specific XY coordinate. Most users' fingers are actually larger than a single pixel. So you suddenly have to define which area of the finger is the hotspot. And then you have to do picking based on the hotspot. And that can lead to confusion because the user might think he's touching still inside the window, but that one hotspot might just yeah. be one pixel outside and suddenly you're sending the coordinates to the next window. So the hotspot, no matter how fat someone's finger is, is still just one pixel. Yeah, because out. that's how you... I mean, you, <laughs> there's no simple technical solution to that. There are technical solutions, but they're likely to fail. The, uh, the right solution to fix all these problems is to design a UI where this won't be a problem. So to have any UI element large enough that if you press next to it, you're not going to... nothing is going to okay. happen, essentially. So that's why buttons, for example, you want to separate them far enough that if you don't hit the button, you don't accidentally really click the button next to it. You want the button large enough that the average finger will cover it. So is that, does this kind of work on the smaller, will X with this whole multi-touch, is this going to work on smaller devices too? Like uh, Android-sized devices, or is this more specifically for larger devices? Um, the size of the device for the multi-touch that we've um, specified art now, it doesn't really matter. Okay. Um, so you can run it on a 2x2 two two screen if you want to. You're not going to display much on that, but um, the size of the screen doesn't matter as such. It's When I'm saying user interface needs to be designed for it, I'm talking about the higher level, so I'm talking about GNOME, KDE, uh, okay. whatever actual user interface you, you want to run. Okay. So Because X doesn't know about the concept of buttons. X knows about rectangular surfaces that an application can draw into. The next terminology, they're called Windows, but Windows is a bit overloaded, so people can get confused. In, in the end, X knows about the number of vaguely rectangular surfaces on the screen okay. and doesn't care what's inside those. So a button usually is a, or used to be a rectangle on the screen that's painted to look like a button and registers button events. But it really was its own window in but itself. It, yeah, it really was just a surface to the X server and what the client would do is, as you press the button, the client would send a new PixMap to the server 
or you know, new pixels to the server saying repaint this window now, and then the button looked like it was depressed, but the um, the X server didn't know about that. Yeah. The X server has no concept of widgets at all, and that's been in the in recent uh, toolkit versions. Um, that's even gone to a point where we have client side windows now. So all the X server sees these days is pretty much just one big rectangle. That's the application's main window, and everything inside is just handled by the toolkit. Okay. Is the toolkit, and this is probably getting outside the topic, but so the toolkit basically just draws one big window, and everything in there is converted to like a pixmac or something, which then it just exactly to the yeah. Okay. And the toolkit handles where are the buttons. If you click a button, it just refreshes that part, portion of the window. So the X server has even less knowledge of what's happening inside. And that's also one of the reasons why we didn't want gestures in the server is because the XO has no knowledge what's actually happening. Okay. So it cannot easily interpret gestures, which are highly contextually dependent, because yeah. the, same, the same data that you get in from a two-finger movement could be a two-finger swipe, but it could be two separate fingers just moving two objects. And you don't know that un unless you know what you're actually moving, and the XO doesn't know that. Okay. So that's why we're pushing everything to the client side, because that's where you have the context. Okay. So if everything's going client-side, eventually the X server will get smaller and smaller? Yeah, the X server these days, because we've moved so many graphics out as well, um, the X server's main part these days is handling input. And handling input essentially means you get data from a device, you figure out where to send it to, and you send it there. That's pretty much what the X server's base target task in the input is. Okay. I learned something new every day. Yeah. <laughs> All right. What uh, else? So I've got a list here. I'm asking Peter the questions as well. Um, let's see, recent anything? So recent developments, as, as we just said, the uh, the big thing is multi-touch that we're currently working on because that's also the buzzword of the of the year yeah. or of the last two years. Um, cloud. There were, yeah. <laughs> I don't think we're going to do any cloud-related <laughs> stuff in X. Um, there is going to be what was it? A, a recent change that we just pushed out. Um, at least the protocol spec. We're still waiting on the XServe implementation to get uh, pulled in, actually, so that patches are made. Is smooth scrolling. So traditionally, the uh, XServe implemented scrolling as button presses. Historical reasons. I'll, I'll spare you the details. But in X, when you scroll up, that's actually a button four press. When you scroll down, it's a button five press. Um, and the clients. Oh, is that why it's four and five in the old xorg.com file? Yeah, exactly. Uh, so okay. the z-axis mapping, if you ever saw that, that's exactly for that. Okay. Um, the problem with that is it's discrete buttons. So if you scroll a lot or you scroll very fast, all you see is a lot of button events floating past. Okay. And that can, in in uh, many cases, it's just not fluid enough. For, so the change that we pushed out, um, and it only works with XI2 clients, so clients that are new enough to support the new input extension is that um, we also forward um, the same information as actual axis values. So if you scroll up by you know, two and a half rotations of the wheel, you actually get an axis value of, say, minus 20. Okay. Um, and because there's a couple of reasons why this is beneficial. One is you get the actual event value. So instead of you get the value oh, of 10, up, up, if you up, up, scroll up, up, very yeah. fast, the, the mouse will, will send you one value of 10 because you've scrolled very fast within one time frame. So in the past, that, that would have been 10 separate button okay. events all separately delivered. Now you just get one that says 10. So the client knows this was a very fast scroll and can update accordingly. Oh, okay. okay. The other thing is that you get uh, sub-pixel scrolling, so if you scroll very, very little. Um, there's a couple of free-flowing. Um, there's one Logitech mouse where you can actually unhinge the, the, uh, the scroll wheel and it just keeps on rotating. 
Um, so you essentially give it a push and it just keeps on spinning until you stop it. Yeah. Or until eventually it's. It and stops. so you just scroll on the whole time. So you so can essentially just scroll in more or less infinitely. So would that um, be for like a 10,000 page PDF or something? I, or I don't know what people actually use it for. I don't okay. know. You, you could probably set it up to be very, very fine grain scrolling. Mm. Um, and then it, you have very very fine grain movement okay. of the document. I'm not quite sure. I've I've seen I've, I've played with the mouse once. I think in a shop somewhere. But yeah, okay. that's pretty much all I've had to do with it. So hopefully that will um, make scrolling a bit more user friendly. Um, although I have to say we call it smooth scrolling, but that's just the input side of things. Um, it's going to take a while until the output side of things will actually update to render fast enough that it'll actually appear smooth. Okay. So I think a better name might have been continuous scrolling instead of smooth scrolling because that's a bit of a lie right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but that's so it's just it'll be released soon, and then the app. This will be in the next X server version. So the protocol is out. The next X server version is uh, five and a half months from now. Okay, and so, so applications at that point can start supporting it? So yeah, so we pushed a protocol out now. The library support is there, so applications can start writing against it. Okay. It's just, they just won't get the new events yet. So, you know, they can have the code, it'll compile. Okay. So it just will we'll never see the events because the current X server just doesn't generate those specific events. Okay, but if the application's there, then when I do upgrade the X Yeah, so when you do upgrade, it'll just be there. Okay. Also, we've seen, especially with XI2, we've seen the inertia that GNOME 3, I think, is the first big toolkit to support XI2, and they've only started it, as it said, GNOME 3, which came out very, very shortly ago, but we've had it since 2009 okay. in, in an X server, and, and we've had it stable for a little bit longer than that. So you see there's an inertia of you know nearly two years just to get anything into the client stack. Okay. So, so smooth scrolling we'll probably see in fall, spring of 2013. <laughs> well, XI2 is a, is a really big change, so smooth scrolling is a lot smaller on top of that, so hopefully that gets okay. accepted much faster. Multi-touch, the same thing, will probably get accepted much faster. There's okay. a much bigger use case for it. So. Oh, I look forward to seeing that stuff. Yeah. Okay. So that's one of the, you know, that's the most recent change, I think. That's okay. probably the most interesting one for the, the general population. Okay. Any less interesting that you think might still be interesting to hear about? We've had a ton of changes to the walk-on driver over the last year. That's um, what uh, Jason, I don't know his last name, he's Garrick. working on that. Garrick? Yeah. Jason yeah. Garrick? Okay. Yeah, so Jason is, is working for Wacom and um, both him, me, and a couple of other guys from the community, and Ping from Wacom as well, we've been just working like crazy on that driver. and. I can say that finally it pretty much works out of the box for most tablets, even though, especially for bamboos, we still have troubles. Um, we don't have enough information about the devices often enough. There's, uh, sometimes we just, there's weeks where no, none of us has time to work on it. Okay. So it's, it's a bit of an up and downhill slope. Um, I can say that the driver definitely works better for most people than, say, a year or two ago. But we're definitely not there yet to just be a plug-in or just work. So, and as a good segue into the next uh, question, so if people want to help, say all the HPR uh, potties, I guess we use that <laughs> word, I don't know, uh, if they want to help out like on the input stuff yeah. or walk-on driver, what uh, can you say about that? I mean, anything Gen they can... Generally, people tend to get into uh, development is either they have a device that doesn't work or they want a feature. And that's usually the best way to get into it is that, um, you know, you have a tablet that doesn't work, you figure out how to make it to work. Um, in most cases, it doesn't even require that many changes. In most cases, it just requires someone to actually have the device and be willing to test, to be willing to figure out where exactly it goes wrong, and then you know either ask for help or figure it out themselves. So we get plenty of people who say, look, my tablet isn't working, and then we say, oh, I've just tried this, 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 and it works. 
Um, so do you need people? Oh, to desperately, help? yes. <laughs> so I, I, I can confidently say I'm hopelessly overloaded. Okay. Um, so at the moment, I'm maintaining three three main input drivers: so FDF, Synaptics, and the Wacom driver. Um, I'm sort of co-maintaining mouse and keyboard, although I don't actually run them. I still try to cut releases for them. And I'm maintaining a couple of other input drivers that we only get testers for every two years, pretty much. Wow. Um, I maintain the whole input subsystem. I'm going to be working on the multi-touch zero implementation and a couple of other things. Um, You're the man. I'm rather hopelessly overloaded. <laughs> so especially, I think every, everyone who's used a touchpad in the last year or so has probably seen that touchpad hasn't seen the love. Yeah. Um, that it needs. So you're the, you're to blame for that? No, I'm totally kidding. Uh, pretty much, yeah. I just <laughs> did not have time. Um, right, but pretty much everyone who has a touchpad, that's your work. Yeah, so touchpad would be a really, really, really interesting or easy way to get into because most people have a device. Yeah. So it's not that hard to test it. It's not expensive hardware. Pretty much everyone has a laptop these days. So if you're willing to make the touchpad work better, go for it. Cool. Um, I'd, I'd be too happy to see patches for it. We've got a, I have to admit, I've got a patch set of about 10 or 12 queued up just in my inbox um, that should make it a lot better to go now. Mm-hmm. But the next thing is going to be, you know, proper multi-touch support for touchpads. At the moment, we're pretty much limited to uh, one or two gestures, like two-finger scrolling and whatnot. The current, on the touchpads that are in most people's current laptop, mm-hmm. and maybe that's too general to say, but they run the, their synaptic touchpads? Or? Um, there is four different types, uh, Synaptics, Alps, Elantec, and uh, the Mac ones that are, they used to be my Apple Touch, I think, they don't exist anymore, but the new ones are BCM7495 or something like that, I can't remember what the actual number is. Um, Do they all support multi-touch, or at least two or more touch points, or? Ish, they, yeah, ish? Uh, within, uh, touchpads are interesting because there's several that don't give you any information that would be even remotely useful, um, so... One of the one of the laptops I've had in my hands just recently was a Lenovo X220, and they have a, rel- a relatively new touch pad that supports two fingers. It's a click pad, so it doesn't have any physical buttons. You press the whole, or the, the lower end of the, the touchpad works as a button. Mm-hmm. And it knows that it can support two fingers, but it doesn't tell you the coordinates of the second finger. It just tells you there's a second finger. Really? Which makes it really hard that when you move the first finger, you put it on the touchpad, you move it down to where the button is supposed to happen. You press the button and then you try the second finger to scroll, yeah. uh, to drag an object. You never get those coordinates. So all you so know you is move that around and you just know there's still a finger down? Yeah, it just gives you, it only gives you the coordinates of the first finger, which would be somewhere in the button area, no? but that's the one that's not moving. So... So really you need to drag down with your second finger, you can still leave your finger, um, which is kind of funky. I actually. haven't found out. There's probably some magic way how you can move your fingers to still make it work, but it's going to be tricky to figure out and most people won't right. so from their point of view the touchpad doesn't work so from our point of view it's like we just don't get enough data to make it work properly and it requires a lot of effort to decipher that so if we're really lucky there's a uh, touchpad designer developer hardware guy listening to this yes. who can uh, drop you some hints and uh, help hopefully yeah and please design your hardware better this <laughs> 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 is depressing sometimes <laughs> But there are, um, as far as I know, the, uh, the Apple touchpads, for example, they give you full finger information of every finger that's on the pad. Some of those, like uh, Chase last year had one that had like 10 touch points? Uh, possibly. I don't know what the PC- BCMs do, um, okay. how many they support. I think not infinite, but you know, large oh, amounts. So in the kernel, we currently do up to quad tap, which is um, four. Okay. Um, after that, I think just a normal multi-touch protocol just kicks in anyway. Okay. So. Okay. Well, cool.
Cool. Well, I won't keep you from the presentation, which actually is just about over. Anything else you uh, want to bring up that I forgot to ask? Or? Yeah, for anyone interested in, in hacking X or any open source project, don't be scared of starting. Um, it's more or less an open secret that I basically didn't know see when I started hacking on X. Um, the first couple of days I mostly spent out figuring out why this even compiles because I had never seen Cunningham and Ritchie function style declarations before and I was essentially sitting there with a programming C book um, trying to figure out what that means. Um, I knew I had done C before in a very, very basic uh, manner but I was essentially a Java programmer. Man, how, long, how many years ago was that again? Uh, Six years ago, okay. five years ago. Right. Yeah. So in six years, you went from no one basically. You're, yeah. Six years ago, you were my level, and now you're the uh, input. Yeah. So it, you know, it, you don't need to know everything to get something done. Um, you just pick what you want to work on, and then you learn. As 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 you do, you learn. I'm still learning a lot every day, so there's no end to it. So don't be shy. Get in. Yeah. Get just lit. Yeah. Just do it. Jump in. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. Well, thank you for your time, Peter. <laughs> no worries. You have been listening to Hacker Public Radio at hackerpublicradio.org. We are a community podcast network that releases shows every weekday, Monday through Friday. Today's show, like all our shows, was contributed by a HBR listener like yourself. If you ever considered recording a podcast, then visit our website to find out how easy it really is. Hacker Public Radio was founded by the Digital Dog Pound and the Infonomicon Computer Club. HBR is funded by the Binary Revolution at binref.com. All binref projects are proudly sponsored by Lunar Pages. From shared hosting to custom private clouds, go to lunarpages.com for all your hosting needs. Unless otherwise stated, today's show is released under a Creative Commons Attribution Share Alike 3.0 license.